This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I have some strong opinions about coffee drinks that I'm willing to discuss. Welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week, we watch season five, episode 10 of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, but not as cute as Pushkin. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Into the Woods. I don't know if these were good ones. I don't know. Um, I, well, I don't, one of them was. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. We'll get there. Keep that secret to myself. Yeah. I'm interested in your secret. So, we had a fun weekend. We had a crazy day in Astoria. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were watching some friends' cats. And did I say friends? I guess they're both, we're friends with both of them. But there's only one cat. You also said there were two cats. Okay. So, this is just a lie. (laughs) We're watching my friend Danny's cat and his wife, Carolyn, who's great. I was watching. We were watching her too. She. Yeah, to be watched as well. As he did cat. not trust her with the cat alone, so we were there. <laughs> so we went to Astoria uh, to feed the cat in the morning. We had to feed it at night too, so we decided to make a day of it. We went out there, we fed the cat, and then we got breakfast at the first cool place we saw, which is called Sugar Freak, which mm-hmm. was great. Yeah, super good food. I had a whole breakfast platter, which was too much. Yeah, and it was all delicious too. Mm-hmm. And I had, had like a, a hamburger with like a pecan crusted bacon. It was so good. But then after that, we went to go see The Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange 2. And then we went to Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. So two multiverse movies. It's a lot day. of multiverses. Yeah, there's so many to keep track of. They're both pretty good. They had a lot of similarities. I know. But we're not here to compare those two movies. Then we came home and watched Saturday Night Live. It was a great day. Oh, no, we forgot to feed the cat the second time. Oh, my God. It's dead. No, it's alive. It's fine. We fed it. We did. We went back and fed the cat. Then we came home. And at empanadas, oh my goodness, we had such a good food weekend. Such a good, and I got some baklava. Anyway, it was so good. So, so good. good. You guys should have been there. I don't we know don't why you We don't need to fit weren't. in our wedding clothes anymore. We're back to. Yeah, I'm putting on baklava weight. So I'm excited to talk about these episodes, but as you guys know, we like to drink wine when we watch shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you didn't know, lately we've been recording our thoughts right after we watch episodes Yeah. in our wine state, and we post those videos on TikTok and Instagram every Tuesday and Friday. So if you're like, I love the podcast, but what do they really think? You should check out our TikTok and Instagram and find out. It's at Gilmore Slayer at both. We just do a little little short chat after we watch the episodes. Initial reaction. And if you want to follow along with us with your wine as well, you can do so with Wink.com. Wink.com is an online wine subscription service where you fill out a quick survey about different things that you like to eat. And based on that, they get like a map of your, your tongue's palate. And they're like, okay, then if you like these things, you're probably going to like these wines. And they'll send you a bunch of wines every month. You could also just be like, no, these are the wines I want. You can select your own, but you can do whatever you want. And if you use our promo code, Gilmore Slayer, you can get your first shipment of wine for $29.95. That's right. Be sure to get there by clicking the link in our episode description or social media bio and to use promo code Gilmore Slayer at checkout, just like Brian said. And we've gotten some really good wines from them. And we're happy to give wine suggestions. If you buy something and you want to ask us what you should get, we'll tell you what we like. What our mouths like. Your mouths might be totally different, but... Yeah, you might have weird mouths. But we can tell you which one our mouths loved. Like that demon in the last episode of Buffy, that dude's mouth, 
He's probably going to like some weird shit. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we have the same mouth as him. His mouth is full of black goo. Yeah. Okay, well, should we dive in? Let's do it. This week, we started with Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us about, but not as cute as Pushkin. So this episode of Gilmore Girls is about Luke's dark day. And also about some uh, romance or feelings that are happening at Yale. (laughs) Yeah, there's some feelings happening at Yale. Yeah. Okay, so the episode starts with Lorelai walking to Pascal's. Pasquales? Pasquales. The shoe repairman that we've never heard of. Yeah, we've never heard of this guy, but apparently he's both very emotional and the town loves him. He's having a dark day, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Lorelai's walking, and she is just holding this giant bag of shoes right in front of her face. It makes no sense to carry the shoes like that at all. If she'd been walking with it for, like, miles and was sick of carrying it down and needed to put it up on her shoulder, but why is it, like, in front of her face? Yeah, it's like she's, like, walking into a blizzard and doesn't want the snow to hit her face. It doesn't make sense. It's just so she can, like, casually bump into Miss Patty without noticing her. Yeah, the actress, so the scene can start. Yeah. Also, why are all of her shoes broken at once? What has happened to her feet? Well, to be fair, we don't know that they're all of her shoes. <laughs> Could just be that these are multiple of her shoes broken. It's at least like five pairs of shoes. There's probably more, honestly. Well, she bumps into Miss Patty, who is going to have a big celebration coming up for her 40-year anniversary of being in show business. There's a running bit throughout the episode where they keep being like, 40-year anniversary with which husband? And it's like, no, the business of show. Uh, Anyway, 40 years ago, she did her first off-Broadway show. So off-Broadway, it was in Cleveland. It's pretty off. Lorelai mentions to Miss Patty that she'd love to go to her party and she'll bring Luke to the event. But Miss Patty says, well, you can't because it's going to be on Luke's dark day. Dark day. On this day, once a year, Luke disappears from Stars Hollow, and the residents know not to try to find him. Everyone knows that Luke has a dark day once a year, except for Lorelai, for some reason. It doesn't make any sense. Like, how does Lorelai, his closest friend, and now his girlfriend, the person who goes to his diner, like, daily, not know that he has a day every year where he just, like, is in a bad mood and leaves? She also didn't know he dated Rachel. That is true. That is true. I think we're supposed to believe they've only known each other like less than 10 years. I still feel like that's enough time to like know about this. It's like 10 dark days. Yeah. And like she goes there every day. So anyway, meanwhile at Yale, Terrence is back, baby. Life coach Terrence, not Terrence from the painting episode. That guy that was in the festival with Lorelai was also named Terrence. Yeah, Terrence is Paris's life coach, and he's in the dorm pretty funnily telling... Funnily is a word I'm using. I don't know if it's a real word. I think so. Pretty funnily telling Paris she needs to do more to try to get out there and to date. Terrence is, like, great in this scene. He's so funny. He talks in the third person. He gives Paris shit, which, like, nobody does, and she seems to respect his opinion. She's behind on her dream log and her pretty thoughts journal. Yeah, her pretty thoughts journal. (laughs) It's so funny. Terrence also maybe had a drug problem? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I had a prescription. I'm like, okay, well. So did a lot of people that ended up with addiction problems. Rory's upset with Paris because Paris failed to mention that Headmaster Charleston from Chilton had called. Headmaster Charleston from Chilton, by the way, is a difficult tongue twister. You did it twice, though. Yeah. He would like Rory to host a prospective Yale student from Chilton for a few days next week. It's also pretty funny when she answers the phone. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm just getting your message back now. And Terrence is like, um, I can tell you've got some passive aggressiveness. We should talk later. (laughs) 
Rory is like excited and honored that he reached out to her. And she's like, of course, I can watch this girl. And the headmaster mentions that her name is Anna Fairchild. And Rory's like, oh, like Sabrina. And then the headmaster very dryly is like, have we segued into discussing a movie? Yeah. That's so funny. Their phone conversation goes on for so long after it's over. Like, yeah. it's, they should say goodbye, like, six lines of dialogue before they do. Yeah, totally. By the way, I love Headmaster Charleston now. I feel like I didn't at first, but I feel like I get him now. Like, he's, like, very proper, but also very over everything in his attitude all the time. Well, he's going to be a big love interest in season six. I wouldn't put it past Paris. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Specifically, Rory says, like, I won't let you down. And he says, what a nice thing to hear. But he says it like, sure, but maybe you will. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that before, and it's gone poorly, you know. At Friday night, drinks, Richard tells Rory that it's an honor that they asked her to host this student. And then they discuss all the really nerdy plans Rory has to show her around the school. And then Lorelai suggests that, you know, this girl, her name's Anna, might want to see some of the fun stuff, too. And the best they could come up with for a fun thing to do is to rub the toe for good luck. I feel like every college has one of those, like, statues you rub for luck, right? Not mine. A lot of the colleges I've done comedy at have, and I've noticed it. It's an easy thing to make a joke about. No, mine you just had to rub some real guy's toe. (laughs) And (laughs) I like the idea of some guy just tricked you into doing that. It's good luck. Every day, you show up in my dorm, be like, I gotta rub my toe. Guy just had a bunion on there. Okay. <laughs> like a, yeah, rubbed, yeah, right there, right there, right there. Yeah, he would sit down on my futon and get his foot out. But <laughs> I graduated. Richard asks about Mr. Huntsberger, Logan, if you guys don't remember Logan's last name. He mentions that she and he made a handsome couple at their party. Richard and Emily are good friends with Logan's parents. And he'd be a, he's a mighty fine man, according to Richard. Afterwards, when they leave, Lorelai wants all the details on Logan. She's like, why does my dad know more about your love life and your gossip than I do? But Rory insists that they're just acquaintances, nothing more. Cut to Lorelai's at Luke's at night, dressed only in his shirt, proclaiming that the best thing about dating a diner owner is the proximity to all the great food. She says that he's like a Willy Wonka, but hotter. Then Luke insists that he isn't hotter than Willy Wonka? What? Well, he's not hotter than Johnny Depp. Now, I agree. Well, let's take a couple steps back. He's definitely hotter than Gene Wilder. Sure. I don't know that Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka is hot, though. He's creepy. That's what I was going to say. He looks like a weird, like, porcelain man. So I don't think that's, like, really Johnny Depp. Maybe Gene Wilder's hot. I don't know. Maybe. I'll ask my mom. Yeah. My point is that I think he is hotter than both of those Willy Wonka specifically. In his jammies, especially. Yeah. The two of them are getting along great. So well that Lorelai says, I think it is going very well, you and me, which generally means it's time for something bad to happen in the TV show, right? In any TV show, when someone says something like, things are great, it's time for someone to die or get into a big fight. Or take off in a helicopter. (laughs) There's no point in Buffy where anyone says, things are going great between me and Riley. I don't know. Buffy and Riley are like having a nice time at the beginning of the episode. It's true. But they're getting along and smiling and being happy. And she mentions that Mrs. Patty's party is coming up. And he reluctantly says he'll go. Mrs. Patty. She got married to show business. <laughs> okay. Everything's great until she mentions that it's on Tuesday. Then he gets a little weird. And he says he can't go Tuesday because he's got to go out of town for a standing banking business appointment. At like then 8 p.m. Ab- <laughs> yeah. And then he abruptly kisses her goodnight and goes to sleep. And she's a little bit like, okay, like clearly something's up. 
Back at Yale, Paris is super glowing indoors, so she's extra crazy right now. She's like going on about how all younger women with better bodies are their enemy, like her and Rory's enemies, because they're going to try to take their starter husbands and their jobs away. I think we're supposed to think that Paris is extra crazy because of the super glue. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think she's maybe just on edge because she needs a man. Yeah. Because Rory also has bought all this like Yale merch to give to Anna, which is maybe excessive. Yeah. To use her own money for. But Paris is like, you don't even have that stupid card swiping job and you're right. spending your money on all this crap. I was like, whoa. Yeah, sometimes Paris is so mean that it's like, it's like I don't know why anyone would be friends with her. That almost felt like, whoa, should we be worried about Rory's financial situation? Is this right. like a clue? I don't know that's what we're doing. It just felt like we were reminding us that Rory doesn't have a job. Yeah. It did seem a bit exposition-y. Anna shows up, and she seems young, excited, and probably naive. There's a point where she's like, I got lost, but people were really friendly. And Paris is like, yeah, it's a nice world out there. Clearly, like, mocking her. Marty shows up with some more leftover catering food. And Anna is like, you have boys just bringing you food? And that should have been your red flag right there, I think, for this girl. Like, she's that excited about boys bringing her food. <laughs> it's also funny because when Marty comes in, he sees the new girl, and he's like, oh, my God, did Paris move out? <laughs> So Rory takes Anna on a tour of Yale, the whole campus, you know, showing her all the cool spots, like the one exterior corridor set piece we see every time we're at Yale, or, <laughs> you know, the one hallway we ever see of Yale, or this one bench, which, to be honest, I don't know if you've seen this bench, but we spent a lot of time on it in this episode. <laughs> Rory's got some long-ass lines in this episode. Yeah, she does. I was just thinking that, like, well, you had to memorize all those facts. That's kind of impressive. Rory's being uh, very nerdy and a little bit too much. She's just like monologuing out all this trivia and like expects Anna to be taking notes on like everything she says. Just like trivia. Nothing that's actually important. Just kind of interesting stuff. Honestly, stuff that isn't always even that interesting. But it's probably stuff that's like also in a pamphlet somewhere. Yeah. Like she shouldn't need to write it down. But like she talks about that bench for like a while. And I'm like, no way prospective students are getting this monologue about this bench. It's time for the... Semi-weekly sawing. Yeah, I just we tried to get this podcast in today. Our neighbor was just blasting like what seventies music. I couldn't. I don't even know when that was from. Yeah, I don't know. And now the construction has restarted. You know, at eight p.m. That's the time for construction. Yeah. To be fair, Anna never seems bored. I would say later on she seems more interested in other things, but she never seems like Rory stopped talking. Well, actually, it's interesting. I rewatching it. Anna is like very like riveted by everything Rory's saying at first. Like she's taking notes on every little bit of bench trivia that Rory can spit out. But I think it's just like way too much. At some point, right. it's like, is any of this important? Because it's not. It might have been Anna's idea to take notes. We never see Rory telling her to. I mean, when she no, stops, she does. Rory's like, please take notes. But it might have been Anna's idea in the first place. Yeah. And she is bored in class in a later scene. But she might also just be tired. I think she's just tired. Anna is just like furiously scribbling this shit down. Like there's going to be some sort of like Yale test at the end of this. Rory takes Anna to the paper, hoping to show off the hectic and fast-paced and exciting world of college journalism. But instead, it's pretty much an empty office with just Paris and Doyle arguing over the pen that Paris stole. It's kind of funny because she's like, ooh, they're fighting over like giving up a source. Eh, no, it's just, it's just a pen that was stolen. Lorelai calls and like calls Rory out. She asks her how many like boring bench lectures she's given. <laughs> She's like, yeah, she knows her daughter. <laughs> the 
They only talk for a few seconds before Lorelai has to say, I gotta go because someone is standing abnormally close to her. And Rory gets it. She's like, okay, tell Kirk I said hi. That was so funny. Kirk is standing very close to her and his newest business venture is non-slip bathtub decals. He asks Lorelai how often she slips in the tub. But when she says never, he's like, well, it, it doesn't work if you answer that way. So right on cue, she's like, I slip constantly. I never stop slipping, even when I get out. <laughs> so funny. Lauren Graham's delivery was fantastic for those lines. It was so funny. Mm. He also only has one catalog, so he just has to like stare over her shoulder while she looks over it. She asks him about Luke's dark day. He does know about it, but he doesn't know its origin. He also has another funny line where he's like, well, once in school, Luke knocked the books out of my hands. And she's like, because of his dark day? She's like, no, because I was a kid who... Everybody picked on because I wore a cape to class. <laughs> Super funny. This is the second time they've had a tween wearing a cape joke. No, you're right. Are you talking about Zorro? Yeah, Brian's cousin. Back at Yale, Rory takes Anna to the library and continues her boring history monologue. But Anna's at this point kind of checked out of that. She's more interested in the freedom aspect of college life. She loves that there's no uniforms here and wants to know how many boys Rory's dated here. Then, when Rory tries to get Anna back on track, telling her to start take her notes again, she starts smelling a book. She's like, look at these books. Smell these books. And Logan walks in and is like, did you just smell a book? <laughs> Rory is annoyed by Logan, but <sighs> Logan is actually pretty funny and charming in this scene. Oh, what's this? It doesn't mean I like Logan, but I mean, he, this scene is written well for him. Yeah. He tells Anna, first off, that he was sure she was a college girl, which you can tell she just fucking loves. And he knew that she would. Yeah, he was like, this is what this girl wants to hear. I feel like whether or not you love Logan, this actor does a good job with this type of character. Sure. And I have nothing against this actor, even if I don't like the character. I know the show's probably going to teach me to love him, but... It's clear that Anna wants to go to Smooch Town with Logan, for sure, right? Like, she definitely does. I think she'd settle for Marty. (laughs) (laughs) She'd probably settle for anybody, quite honestly. But yes, smooches would be had if he invited her. Logan tells Anna to make Rory take her to the pub. He's like, you don't have to drink. They have coffee. It's a cool scene. Make her take you. Bring a book to sniff. That was all very (laughs) funny. When he leaves, Anna says that he's cute. And Rory's like, not as cute as Pushkin, the author of the book she's sniffing, and also the title of this episode. She also does acknowledge that Logan is cute. Yeah, she does. Earlier, Lorelai asked if he was, and she didn't answer, but now she I didn't yes. catch that. I did catch it. She said that. I forgot that Lorelai asked her that. Yeah, before she was just like, doesn't matter if he's cute. I feel like he gave her good advice, though, right? Like, I feel like it's kind of crazy that, why wouldn't Rory take her to the pub? I feel like that's where you'd end a night. Just be like, here's the pub where people grab soda and coffee and booze. Yeah. If I was showing someone around my college, I would take them to this place called Acoustic Cafe. Yeah. It wasn't so much a bar. It was more like a coffee sandwich shop. I think they did sell like beer maybe, but it it was like a cafe. But it was like the cool place to go hang out. Yeah. And I know Rory is like an uber nerd, but I feel like even Rory would understand that like the kid wants to see some of the social life. Mm -hmm. Maybe like there's probably not a game going on, but you mean like the Yale game. That's part of the Yale experience, you know? Yeah. But Rory's been experiencing Dean most weekends. so That's true. So she's like, what is a social life? I like to be bored. Burn. Meanwhile, Lorelai is driving through town and notices Luke just screaming at some poor old lady in the driveway. Poor old lady. She's moving to a nursing home in Florida and is going to rent out her apartment and the garage next to it to some new people in like a week. And 
This has pissed Luke off. I think it's a house. You said apartment. You always say apartment. I don't know what people live in. So anyway, she's renting out her hive, and <laughs> Luke Luke's upset because he's been paying to store his dad's old unfinished boat in her garage for like 15 years, and now he's got nowhere to put it. A week's time isn't enough time to find somewhere to put it, which is bullshit, honestly. Like, definitely there's somewhere to put it in a week's time. Yeah, can he put it where he had Jess's car? Yeah, he had store in Jess's car. Put the boat there. or Maybe it wouldn't fit. I mean, it could be a bigger boat. Or he could ask Lorelai to put it in her garage for like just a couple days while he figures things out. Or, I mean, there's just like a lot of places I feel like you could put it. Yeah. Well, he's just like upset at this poor old woman. She's like trying to be reasonable. Luke is just like, whatever, just throw the boat away, scrap it, have someone come, take it, just give me the bill. I don't want it anymore. I don't want to see it again. And he walks away pissed. Lorelai stops him and tries to defuse the situation and like calm him down, but he is not having it. She insists that he let her drive him to the diner and this doesn't make any goddamn sense at all it's you you can see the gazebo behind them while they're at the old lady's house they're like a half a cul-de-sac away from the diner right now they're at furthest the other side of the square which would be like a two-minute walk tops like yeah there's zero reason that you need to drive someone to there i mean i guess it gives them a chance to be together on his way back to work yeah that's true In the car, Luke calms down a little bit and tells her that tomorrow is his dark day and it's the anniversary of his father's death, which I feel like she could have guessed. I guessed the second we heard it was his dark day. I was like, what do I know about Luke? He's emotionally unstable, specifically about his dad. So I was like, that has to be what it is. Good job, Detective Brian. He says that he's never told anyone this before, but he wanted her to know why he might be suddenly unavailable on his dark day. He also says he doesn't like to talk about it. Lorelai suggests maybe he was being too hasty about the boat. He was upset. Maybe he should just hold on to it so he doesn't regret getting rid of it one day. And he's all like, no, I want it gone. It's kind of interesting, though, because this is exactly Lorelai's mentality when Rory wanted to get rid of Dean's stuff. Oh, yeah. She held on to it, even though Rory didn't want her to, because she knew one day Rory would want it. And she was right about that. And also, it's the same with Sherry's baby shower. Rory didn't want to go, but she's like, no, you're going to regret not going someday. And now Rory barely speaks to Gigi. It's true. And when she does, it's very cold. Well, actually, she wasn't that cold to Gigi. Yeah, she was. She's just like, say hi to Gigi for me. Bye. And then last time she saw her, they had to like remind her to say hi to her. Yeah, it's true. She hates her. And when she was on a date with a guy, he asked if she had any siblings. And she said no. (laughs) Rory hates Gigi. I guess so. By the way, unrelated but related, the cat we watched, his name was Gigi. No joke. It was a boy, though. Yeah, but the name was still Gigi. And Rory hated it. <laughs> you could see, though, right in Lorelai's eyes that she's, like, thinking about the boat, I feel like. Back at Yale, Anna instantly loves the pub. As soon as she walks in, she's like, I love this place. I love when Rory's like, you know what's great about this place? And she's like, Eli Yale drank here? <laughs> like, yeah, that was like really She funny. knows where Rory's going. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh, my God, you're going to give me a history fucking lesson. Marty shows up. And Rory orders him three cappuccinos. And as a former barista, I have to say that these cappuccinos are made nonsensically quickly. Like, the only way this makes sense is that they have one of those, like, gas station faux cappuccino machines in the back where you just press a button. Like, that has to be what they have there. You can see it. It's like one of those fancy, shiny ones, I think. Right. But that doesn't make sense. (laughs) They would take longer than this. I have some strong opinions about coffee drinks that I'm willing to discuss, but uh, I'm not going to force those thoughts on anybody. 
I do as well. If you would like to start a chat room, we'll come into it and discuss our coffee feelings. If you mention iced cappuccino, you can leave. I'm not talking to you. That's it. Brian once got a nasty Yelp review over an iced cappuccino. <laughs> it's not a real thing. It, it's anyway. not a thing. It is, but it's, it doesn't need to be. I mean, it is, but it's not. Well, anyway, guys, we're wasting too much time. We're not saving talk- for I'm, the chat room. I'm just going to get angry about it. You know where to find us if you want to fight about it. My dark day is about iced cappuccinos. It's the day his iced cappuccino died. Yeah. While Marty and Rory are talking for like two seconds about the cappuccinos, two guys just start talking to Anna and flirting with her and inviting her to a party. But then Rory mentions her age and shoes them away to Anna's dismay. It wasn't meant to be a poem, but it sounded like one. It really sounded like you wanted it to be. Sniff this book. What? Because he was a poet too. Pushkin? Yeah. Mm. Anna definitely wants to go to that party, you can tell. And I would say that I feel bad for the two guys that Rory just like shamed by saying that she's not 18. Because they didn't know that. And the first time I watched it, I actually felt bad. I was like, give him a break, Rory. Like, she's at a bar. They just assume she's a student. But then, but then, I did not hear this the first time. When the guys are leaving, they do say, we'll be right over here. Just in case. They know she's 16 at that point. Well, Rory says something like, well, just in case she ages two years before. Yeah, they know she's not gonna. It's like, okay, well, that's weird, man. We were talking about if it was rude of Rory to point it out. I don't, she kind of did it in a rude way, but I feel like it is a good piece of information to pass along. Well, I think the nicer way to say it isn't like we're too busy and she's too young. You'd just be like, oh, hey, let me introduce you to this girl who's coming here from a high school. Yeah, yeah. Because it also was a little rude to Anna to be like, don't you dare talk to boys. Exactly. Speaking of which, Anna calls Rory like a hypocrite. She's like, you get to talk to boys like Marty and I don't. But Rory's all like, Marty's just a friend, not the romantic, just a good pal. And then you could just see Marty's like crestfallen face when he hears this. Mm Mm-hmm. This just like confirms to him that he's like friend zoned hard. And I do feel like the way she said it was like, I don't even see you as like a romantic or sexual being. That's how it felt. Yeah, it's interesting because I I think when I was her age, I was blissfully unaware that I had men that probably very much wanted to be my boyfriend. So I think it's sort of a similar situation where she just doesn't realize that Marty's into her because she doesn't know that Logan's into her, which Marty later points out. Yeah, which is insane, but... So she might... I think we just are to believe she truly doesn't know that. No, I don't think she knows that either. I feel like I at least suspected when my guy friends had crushes on me, and I don't think I would have hit the friend terms so hard. I generally had a boyfriend when I was hanging out with guy friends, so I think they knew I was unobtainable anyway, but I don't think I would have ever been like, this is my friend and nothing more, Joseph. You know, like... Mm -hmm. I think the, the, like, he's just a good pal. I, it's clear to the audience, I think, that, like, she has just missed some cues from Marty. And, like, also, like, maybe hasn't even examined what Marty's feelings might be. And it's just, like, assuming he has no romantic intention. Right. He's thrown her some clues, though. He asked if she had a boyfriend a couple times. Absolutely. And I can understand missing those clues, even though I feel like he's done it several times. But we're supposed to see it. She could miss it. I feel like it's still harsh. But like, he's a friend and, like, just a good pal, and he's not interested in anything more. It's like, well, have you asked him? She needs someone to stalk her on a bus or bid <laughs> on her at a basket <laughs> auction. Yeah. She needs big signals. Or make her a fucking car before (laughs) she'll think about saying she loves you. Or do a fucking play in front of a full lecture. You gotta go big, Marty. You gotta go big. 
But I just want to take a quick step back to mention that, like, no woman, like, owes some guy more than, like, being a friend, obviously. And the whole friend zone concept is, I don't know, problematic in some respects. But, I mean, it still hurt Marty. And I don't know that Rory's being a bad person by having said that or even, like, bad in any way. But it clearly hurt Marty to hear that. Yeah. I think it's a little... Unless they, like, had a conversation. Like, it's so great that we can be friends without any sexual tension. I I don't know that... I would have said what she said as hard as she said it to like just a random guy friend. I would at least suspect any guy friend had some interest in me at some point. Especially when they're like it several times have been like, so what's your boyfriend situation? Could you clarify, please? Could you clarify, please? That's like the conversation he had with her. And he's single, too. Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's not wrong of her to be like, no, he's just my friend. But it, it hurt Marty. Afterwards, Rory takes her back to the dorm where Anna is hopped up on Red Bull and Cappuccino still. And she's just so excited that she gets to sleep when she wants or maybe not at all with the TV on. Four cappuccinos and three Red Bulls. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Paris is headed out. It's 11 p.m. She's about to leave. Anna's so excited that at 11 p.m. someone could be going out in college. But Rory specifically asks her who she's hanging out with so late. Spike and Drusilla? Huh? What are they doing what? here? Huh? Get out of here, Spike. Get out of here, Drusilla. What are you doing in our show? Get out of here. Does that mean Drusilla comes back? This is a season two Buffy joke from like the 90s. This is like 2004. That is interesting. I just think they're very iconic. I don't know. I have no thoughts on this anymore. It's an interesting choice of characters. We know ASP is a Buffy fan. Um. Yeah, well, Drusilla doesn't come back in Buffy or Angel. She's gone forever. Right. So don't. Look out for that. It's just like it's a pretty subtle. If you're a Buffy fan, I guess it's a reference you automatically know. But I would also argue that I don't know what Buffy's viewership was like. But if I had to guess, I would say it probably like season two or three was when it was at its height. Sure. And so like that's a reference that people would be like, yeah, that when I was watching, I remember that from the show. People gave up by the time Riley came. Yeah. After like a couple Riley episodes, you're like, okay, we're we're leaving. Who are you hanging out with at this hour, Paris? Riley and that dungeon vampire girl? <laughs> Who are you hanging out with at this hour, Tara and Miss Kitty Fantastico? <laughs> Who are you hanging out with at this hour, Paris? Graham and the new leader of the initiative <laughs> in Belize? Who are you hanging out with at this hour, Jonathan? And she's like, yeah, actually, um... <laughs> Yes. Tomorrow. We'll to Jonathan, actually. Doing that. So Paris goes out. We don't know where. But the next day, Paris attends a speed dating event. As you'd expect, she hates everyone immediately and, like, berates her dates, opening lines and stuff until she comes to Doyle. There's great camera work in the scene, by the way, that, like, hides that Doyle's there without, like, making it obvious. Mm-hmm. Until she sits down. It's like, oh, Doyle's here. They quickly bond over their shared misanthropy, disgust for the other attendees, and fossil news? Yeah, anthropology and stuff. Yeah, misanthropy and anthropology. <laughs> but then when the bell rings, Paris, like, refuses to leave. She just tells the next girl to, like, keep moving, sister. She got mad at a guy for asking her major. I'm like, that's what you ask someone in college. Yeah, what would the first question be? It's like, kind of like, what are you trying to do in college? That's you know? a good way to get to know a college student. Yeah, you're going to know what kind of classes they're taking, what buildings they're going to, what their experience is like a little bit. Usually when I meet someone in New York, I ask where they live. I feel like that is a good conversation starter. Or what they do, I guess. It's just like basic friendship. <laughs> That's so interesting, right? I wonder what that is like in different places. In New York, it's always like, where do you live? I feel like that's like the icebreaker. 
Yeah. Because it tells you so much about them. Like, where do you live? Okay, so you probably, if you live in deep Brooklyn, you're probably not going to Queens or the Bronx a bunch. Maybe, but probably not. Yeah, and then you get to find out what train they take, and that's always fun to talk about. It sounds sarcastic, but we love talking about trains here. Yeah, and then you can shit on the N train or the W train. And people do shit on the N train. Yeah, literally and (laughs) metaphorically. (laughs) N for nasty. The N is actually pretty good. As far as cleanliness or tardiness, because yeah. it's late all the time. I yeah. feel like I'm waiting for forever. Cleanliness. All about that seven, baby, except for the weekends. The next day in class, the professor is lecturing. And you mentioned that this professor is like a speech coach or something from the show. Yeah, I can't remember his exact title. I'm sure someone listening knows and is shouting at me. But it's he, he like helped them with dialogue. His, his diction is great, honestly. I like felt it. I was like, oh, you're, you're like a professional speaker. But I'm pretty sure he's been a teacher at a different class at Yale already. Uh Uh-huh. Well, anyway, while the teacher's lecturing, Anna, like, cannot keep her eyes open. She is so tired. She was probably up all last night. And the teacher's, it's all boring to her, you know. She's not into any of this stuff. It's not about boys. But then it is about boys because (laughs) Logan's friend Colin interrupts the class. He just, like, rushes in and just professes his love to Rory. He just comes in and he's like, you can't walk out on me like that, Rory. I was still asleep. How could you do that? I love you. The professor's like, whoa, young man, you gotta leave. But Colin refuses and then Logan bursts in. And he's like, no, she's with me now, Colin. I told you that. And he's like, tell him you don't love him anymore, Rory. Then the two boys start fighting and like wrestling on the ground in front of the whole class. All of this is very dramatic and over the top and very theatrical. And then Finn, Logan's other friend, shows up in a British police uniform and like blows a whistle and then like drags the two boys apart. And he just like addresses Rory. He's like, you should be ashamed of yourself toying with these boys like this. They used to have balls. <laughs> Give them back their balls, Rory. The class like erupts in like applause and the boys bow and leave. I did think this was funny specifically because he was dressed like a British cop. Yeah, it's kind of a stupid prank, but I mean, it entertained the people. I also love that the professor's just like, well, I guess this is happening. This is the thing that happens at Yale sometimes, I guess. I don't know. That would be a fun thing to happen every once in a while in a classroom. Yeah. I get why Rory would be mad slash embarrassed about it, but as a student observing, I would have been entertained. Oh, yeah. Anna, of course, as you might expect, loved this so goddamn much. She's still talking about this and also the freedoms of college nonstop between Red Bulls that night. Finally, Rory tells her that like she's getting the wrong idea about college. It's not about being part of a hedonistic society. And that's exactly when Doyle walks out of Paris's bedroom in just Paris's robe. <laughs> Paris comes out then and is like, all right, fine. Doyle and I had sex, okay? They considered going to dinner, but they both knew where this was headed anyway, so they just skipped to the part where they had sex. <laughs> and as the girls leave, Paris is like, you have no right to be disgusted by my sex life. Anna loves the idea that you get to have random sex in college, which is, you know, maybe not what Rory wants to hear. They go to the cafeteria where Anna is having a mix of cereal and ice cream for dinner because, of course, she is. That's when Logan shows up. Rory tells Anna to, like, go grab some Froyo because she's got to talk to Logan. She's obviously very mad at Logan, and Anna can tell. And Logan can tell. Yeah. She tells him that she's mad because the teacher might think less of her, and she also missed one of only six lectures she gets to have from that professor, and it was embarrassing. And she calls them all kinds of names, including a butt-faced miscreant. And I'm like, listen, girl, I don't like Logan, but he don't got no butt face, okay? He's got the kind of face you hope might spend some time around your butt, but he doesn't have a butt face. <laughs> Okay. 
I'm being real, okay? <laughs> if someone was like, Lauren Graham's got a gross ass, I'd be like, I don't think that's true. Well, I'm it's glad not... you're defending Logan's face. Yeah. You're correct. Yeah, he's got a nice face. I mean, you can see it. It's nice. You can see it. It's there. Yeah, a lot of faces you can't see. And it's like, that's not a good face if you can't see it. You couldn't see Luke's pecs, but you could see Logan's face. Yeah. Logan also keeps offering to like fix it with Rory and the teacher. He's like, my dad knows him. I can get you yeah. time with him. Don't worry about yeah. it. He's trying to solve it with his money and influence. Yeah. That's a, I thought about mentioning that and I didn't. I'm glad you did. Yeah. That's because that was a little gross. It's like, I can just solve this because I'm so privileged. Yeah. I think that's intentional. Yeah. And they make a point throughout the episode of people being like, oh, is he going to get in trouble? And Rory's like, yeah, I probably not. And when Rory storms away, she says, we're very different people. Mm hmm. Logan's like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to upset you. You know, it's just a funny joke. Obviously, she didn't think it was funny, so she leaves. But then Rory can't find Anna. She's not at the Froyo Social. She looks everywhere, and she can't find us. So she goes back to the dorm, where we get a hilarious scene between Paris and Doyle and Terrence. They're discussing their relationship via speakerphone. Doyle is like, I don't see why we can't just discuss this amongst ourselves. And Terrence is like, because you can't, Doyle. Now speak into the phone, I can't hear you. It's kind of a reveal that Terrence is on the phone. Like, you can see that they're staring at a phone, but you don't yeah. necessarily know that they're not talking to each other. Yeah, because it starts with Parrish just being like, I want to know what this is. Is this just like a one-night stand? Is it a relationship? Is this just like going to be booty calls? And that's when, like, Terrence shows up on the phone. Rory's freaking out, so she calls Marty, who immediately comes over to help. What a good pal, you know? They still can't find Anna. They're checking all the pubs. And then Rory starts to complain about Logan. I can't figure out why. He's always trying to annoy her. And that's when, like, Marty gets real annoyed himself. He's like, Rory, he likes you. Idiot Rory's like, no, he doesn't. I mean, are you serious? After he rescued her from the male Yale party and after his heavy flirting at the Life and Death Brigade, you don't think he likes you? Really? Okay. I feel like that's not Mar Marty says that she needs to stop being so naive because it's annoying. And I'm totally on team Marty right now as far as calling her out on this. I guess she's been told there's like a line for him. So maybe she just assumes he's not into her because he's busy with the line. Yeah, I suppose. It just seems like he's giving her a lot of attention for someone he's not interested. In. It's like the pigtail pulling thing from like childhood. I feel like it's clear yeah. to anyone that he's interested then Headmaster Charleston, I don't know his first name, Headmaster Charleston calls. She's like, everything's great with Anna. And he's like, cool. So the underage girl who the cops just picked up isn't Anna? And she's all like, ooh, no, oops, oopsie daisy. What a tricky question, Headmaster. Yeah, he's seen it all. He's heard it all. He knows what's up. I hope he gets a spinoff. No. So her relationship with the Headmaster is like gone now, I guess. That's kind of sad because they had a fun, nice relationship and he respected her. And that's over now, I guess. I hope there's an episode where they get to fix it. His name's Hanlon. That's what I thought, but I wasn't confident and I looked it up and I was right. I just feel like Luke and Lorelai are going to break up. I just feel like that's what the show's going to do to me. They're going to make them break up and it's going to rip my heart out. So can we just fix this between Rory and the headmaster? Can that be fixed, show? I feel like that doesn't have enough weight that you have to ruin it. Just fix it. So that their relationship's good when Lorelai rebounds with him? Wait, what happens? I told you season six is big for headmaster. Oh my God. <laughs> There's a reason they call him Headmaster. I don't know what that means. He does. He gives a lot of butt face. You know what I'm talking about. Anal rimming. <laughs> okay? I'm sorry, Anna, but it's time you learn about college. Okay? There's going to be anal ribbing. I ribbing? Spent rimming, but ribbing. You, yes, for her pleasure. Okay? If you've never anally ribbed, you don't know what's up. Okay? How much of this is going in? All of it. Okay. Rory's bummed. She's still complaining about Logan. 
She wants to share a cab with Marty. This is another place where she's like, this is my treat. So I'm like, do you have money, Rory? Yeah, it's a good question. But I don't think they're trying to tell us she doesn't. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting point, too, to shift money for this. But knowing the Gilmore women, their dorm is probably like a half a cul-de-sac away, so it's not going to cost that much. Sure. But right as Marty's about to get to the taxi, he, like, pauses and he goes, you know what? I think I'm just going to walk. And Rory's like, Marty? Like, she doesn't get it. She doesn't know what's going on. But he does say, I'll see you tomorrow. So I feel like he's just having some emotions. He doesn't want to be around her. I don't think we're supposed to hate Marty, right? I don't feel like he's being toxic. I feel like he's just emotionally hurt and he's trying to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's hurt. I I feel like, I don't know. Is it shitty that Marty's just uninterested if she's not interested? Like, was he just trying to get in her pants and doesn't want to be your friend? Well, I mean, I yeah, that is a good great that's a great question, right? But I feel like it wouldn't be a big deal if she wasn't just like, oh my god, this other guy loves me so much. This yeah. popular, cool guy who everyone wants to be loves me so much. And, ugh, I hate it. And it's just he's like, I don't want to sit here while you talk about another guy all day, and I help you solve your problems. Like, yeah. But it's also like sometimes you can't help who you fall for. Yeah. And if you fall for your friend. It's maybe like not shitty for you to be like, I need to do some self-care and not spend time with you. It's shitty to be shitty to them or like try to trick them into liking you. But it's I don't think it's shitty to be like, I don't want to spend time with you because it's going to hurt me. I think I had this happen to me once. I was like very good friends with a guy and we were both single. And I did have like a couple guys that were trying to date me at the time. And I was like asking him for advice about it. And I think eventually he he did like ask me out. And I, I thought about it because we were close, but I... I don't know. I just wasn't really into him that way. And I was like, no. And I I do feel like after that, we kind of stopped being friends. But And then I think I ended up dating one of the guys. So I don't know. It just sort of the friendship stopped. But I feel like he at least let me know that he liked me where Marty's not really doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm interested to see where the show goes because I could see them being like, no, Marty doesn't take this well. And he becomes like a shitty dude to her or... I don't, I don't know. I'm, ex- I'm excited to see where they, they take that. But like, I don't think it's inherently I think it's shittier to be like, all right, I'm in love with you and I'm not going to mention it. And I'm just going to like try to eventually make this work. You know, it's like false pretense for the friendship, really. Yeah. Yeah. Like, does he want to be her friend or is he really just trying to be with her and has no interest in being just friends with her? Yeah. Also, I had people in high school who wanted to date me, too. OK. 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 The same day, Lorelai has decided she cannot let that boat get thrown out. So she paid the woman to take the boat. She also had to take a bunch of the woman's other stuff. It was like an all or nothing situation. So she's got the boat along with like 30 thigh masters and a bunch of other junk and some like ferns from this old lady. And she's hiding the boat in her garage until she could tell Luke. Suki's all like, are you going to tell Luke? She's like, yeah, someday I'll tell him. But that night, which is Luke's dark day, he comes over to give Lorelai something and he notices that there's something weird with her garage. So he goes over and she's all like, don't just leave it alone. But. He goes in and sees the bow, and he doesn't take it super well. He notices her garage door is open, but doesn't think it's weird that her yard is full of trash. Yeah, he does. He mentions the thigh masters. He asks why she has so many thigh masters, but he isn't like, why is your yard suddenly a yard sale? Right. That is true. Well, Luke is pissed. He goes on to say that she doesn't care how he felt about the bow. She only cared how she felt about it. Like, she specifically heard him say that he wanted to get rid of it, and she ignored that. He says she doesn't listen to him ever. And honestly, like, a little bit of that is true. Like, specifically, like, the champagne thing. She forgot about that. Right. And this was a case of, like, Luke specifically was like, this is what I want to have happen. And she's all like, but does he really? Yeah, I could see how she would just read the situation. Like, he's being emotional. He will regret this. I've been right about this before with Rory. Yeah. But it's a much bigger thing. 
to just like buy his boat. But also like Rory specifically is a child and like child's brains aren't developed. Luke's an adult. If he makes a mistake that he wanted to make, that's Luke's decision. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. If you if this was you, I maybe would have considered buying the boat because yeah, I could I see boats. you being like heated mm-hmm. and not really thinking clearly. But I also have been with you longer than Lorelai's known Luke. Yeah. I think, though, the show does let us know eventually that she was right. Because later that night at Miss Patty's, Luke shows up outside. Lorelai goes out and apologizes for thinking how she'd think and not thinking like he'd think about the boat. He kisses her and they make up and he tells her to keep thinking like she'd think, which makes me feel like he's saying like you did the right thing. It's actually a really cute scene and it felt really real to me and the acting was great and the chemistry was great. I, I just kind of love this like little like he doesn't apologize, but I feel like it's sort of between the words because it's a dark day. I don't know if he could. They kind of like almost finish each other's sentences. I like the scene a lot. Mm, yeah. uh, Luke leaves because it's still a dark day and he goes to Lorelai's where he wistfully looks over the boat while the la la's play. The next day at Yale, Richard approaches Logan in the one courtyard that Yale has because he heard about Logan's Rory love-declaring incident. Logan tries to apologize, but Richard is like, love makes you crazy. You know, I can understand why you do that. Even though it wasn't the right place, what's done is done. And then he starts laying out all of the future marriage plans he has for Logan and that he's set up with Logan's father. And he's like, yep. And Emily's set up a bunch of a newspaper announcements. And we've got like prenuptials all figured out. We're really excited. And he leaves with a big welcome to the family, son. Of course, this is all a prank. Richard meets up with Rory around a corner and the two laugh about how shocked and speechless Logan and his friends are. And they're like, ha ha ha, what a great prank we did. And it's a fun ending. That's the end of the episode. If I were Logan, I would assume it was fake. I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, of course. We could, like, you're saying the prenups, like... It's so much. He probably respects Richard, but I bet it didn't take him long to figure out it was a joke. Yeah, I mean, he probably was, like, in the moment, kind of like, what the fuck's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And then as soon as he walked away, he's like, okay, that's a bit. Yeah. So, Stacy, do you think this is a good episode? It was okay. Yeah. There's some funny stuff. Like, the Paris stuff was all pretty funny. Yeah. We get to see Paris and Doyle's first moments. Yeah. There might be more. I doubt it. I don't know. The stuff with Anna wasn't really that good. Like, there's a lot of Rory telling her about Yale. Yeah. But Logan was funny. I I did like the prank of the guys coming into class. And, yeah, the Luke and Lorelai stuff was sweet, but not my favorite Luke and Lorelai moments. Yeah. I do remember this episode. It's weird, because I didn't really remember the last one, but I do remember Mm -hmm. her showing her around Yale and the Dark Day stuff. Yeah. At least the idea of that stuff. I don't remember Miss Patty's party and all that, but... Yeah, I I thought it was fine. It wasn't remarkable, but it wasn't bad. What did you think? Well, I would say that it wasn't, like, remarkable, but I thought it was a good episode. It did a really good job of making us like Logan by finding him charming. I feel like this was a great Logan episode in that we've got to see and feel his charm, right? Sure. Honestly, this is the first episode where I was like, oh, he is being charming, and he is written charming, and I believe it. Okay, interesting. But the episode's great in that it's saying, like, he's super charming, that is true, but he also is super fucking privileged. Yeah. So it was like a good, like, oh, this is the Logan I think you've kind of alluded to, which is like a privileged but charming man. Mm-hmm. Which previously I was just like, no, I've just got privileged, egotistical, almost maniac before. <laughs> like, <laughs> this was like much better. Like, I could see how someone could fall for this guy. He's turning a corner, everyone. But also I liked the Richard um, scene with, I just like watching Richard get along with Rory. I like their relationship yeah. being good. That was fun. They are cute together. 
And I told you, I just, I really like the scenes with Luke and Lorelai. I mean, I mean, I hate to be repeating myself, but I just feel like their chemistry is so good. And I like when they're happy. And I really liked even their fight, them making up, I thought was good. Yeah. Like I said, it definitely wasn't bad. I just didn't think it was like, whoa, that one made me feel things. It wasn't a super funny episode. No. Um, the Kirk stuff was funny, but it was very short-lived. There's also a scene where Kirk's supposed to help Miss Patty casually strike up a song at her party, and he's like reading yoga for dummies. Yeah, which I was like, I hope we have a yoga thing next episode. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, and now for a special segment we like to call... Meanwhile, Uncharmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only... On its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed, Season 5, Episode 10, E2 Mummy Tambien, when a demon kidnaps Phoebe to provide a body for the spirit of his dead lover, Cole tries to save her by trading Paige for Phoebe. What the fuck, Cole? Cole, well, I mean, he wants to save Phoebe. Yeah, but Paige is, like, in their family. Okay, you know what? We don't need Paige. She's new. She's nobody. Let's get rid of her. I mean, that's what Cole said to yeah. everyone else. Yeah, right in front of Paige, too. Yeah, and everyone else was like on the DL, like, no, we totally need Paige. She's a white lighter. We love Paige. But like, really, they're all giving Cole eyes like, do it. This is actually a pretty uh, short episode because... They can't be short. They're all the same length. Well, no. There's a lot of commercial and a lot of previously on to like fill the time. Okay. It was like previously on and like a lot of shit that wasn't relevant to this episode. Yeah. Just all the bad stuff Paige has ever done. <laughs> yeah. The demon is all like, all right, cool. Yeah, I'll take that trade. Sounds great. Paige is younger. I'm on board. But then he gets Paige and he's like, actually, Paige sort of sucks. Like, I'm not that interested in Paige. Um, let's not do this. And just calls it all off. Yeah, he doesn't even want Phoebe. He's just like, yeah, I lost my appetite for for this activity. Just something about Paige just like turned him off the whole thing. He was like, ugh, whatever. Is this the plot of the movie The Mummy? We just watched that, but... Yeah, it's very similar. This is the actual plot of E2 <laughs> Mama Tambien. What is that about? I don't remember. I have seen it, but I don't remember what it was about. The guy that's in that came to my restaurant. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So did Mark Ruffalo and James Franco... And at the end, they're all like, Cole, how did you know? And it's like, clearly Cole like had no fucking clue. He was like, I thought Paige was going to die. I just did not care. And then Paige kind of walks in and everybody looks up and like, Paige, hey. How's yeah, how like slow you? clap because they're not quite sure if they're excited. They're yeah. Like, yeah. 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 And then Tom Hanks comes over and just says hi and they talk to him for a little bit. They're really just kind of killing time until the credits roll. Yeah, it's been a minute since we've seen him. There's a really long scene with Tom Hanks. Yeah, they had to definitely do, like, a previous line on, like, remember Tom Hanks is in this show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then super long credits. Tom Hanks had a lot of wardrobe people. Yeah. They really padded this one out. The Mummy was very elaborate. There was a lot of people listed in the credits for the Mummy design, even though yeah. the Mummy was only in it for, like, a minute. Yeah. Very graphic, though. I was surprised they put it on TV. Yeah. Well, anyway. This has been Meanwhile on Charmed. Guys, because both Buffy and Gilmore Girls celebrate brave, confident women, for this episode, we have partnered with Davy Piper. That's right. Davy Piper is a woman's clothing company that's committed to empowering women and celebrating their unique stories just like our shows. 
They specialize in ultra-comfortable bras, undies, sleepwear, activewear, and loungewear. And let me tell you, since I've started working from home, whether I'm working or relaxing, loungewear is pretty much all I'm rocking. I got myself a pair of the Everyday Lounge Joggers, super soft, super lightweight, perfect for sitting back with a glass of wine to watch a show or sitting at my desk to edit the podcast. They are soft, and Davy Piper's products feature premium, super soft fabrics like bamboo and organic cotton. I also got the Grace Ribbed Wire-Free Lounge Bra. You were immediately drawn to that, weren't you? I was, you know, because it was soft and because it empowers you. It does. That's why I liked it. And Davy Piper caters to hard-to-fit sizes, including special busty sizing for E through I cups. For flattering classic styles with a modern twist, visit DavyPiper.com. And don't forget to use the discount code GILMORESLAYER to save 20% on your purchase. Buffy and the Gilmore Girls would. So Stacy, and then we watched one of my favorite episodes of all time of Buffy. That is not true, but there is one thing about this episode I like. Uh, I'm starting to get a sense for which episode you liked. <laughs> Stacy, please tell us all about Into the Woods. So this episode is about Riley's dark day. <laughs> He's got many dark days. No, it, it's about Riley and Buffy finally fighting about the issues they've been having all along, which Buffy was not aware of. But Riley's been very aware that Buffy doesn't love him as much as he loves her. Mm-hmm. And she catches Riley doing some naughty stuff. And he's got to own up to it. Yeah, that's it's kind of it. There isn't really much of a B story. Yeah. Okay. So the episode starts in the hospital waiting room. The gang's all there waiting for Joyce to get out of her surgery, and it's taking longer than expected. Willow asks Xander what time it is, and he so rudely is like, there's a clock right behind you. Maybe look at it instead of being such a lazy bitch. Like, I'm embellishing, but barely. Yeah, it was uh, It was weird. Um, They're like best friends. I get that they're all like on edge, but... Right, but that's not that annoying a question, I feel like. And it's not like Xander's doing something. It was almost like they were trying to draw attention to the clock for our benefit, but yeah. I don't think so. It's funny, though, because I actually thought that to myself when Willow asked the time. I was like, there's a clock right behind you, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Xander is always honest, even if it's not the right thing to say. Yeah, it's just a little warm-up for Xander's big moment at the end of the episode. <laughs> foreshadowing. But finally, the doctor comes in to let them know that the surgery was a complete success. He was able to get the whole tumor, and barring complications in recovery, Joyce is going to be fine. Everyone hugs, except Xander and Giles. That would just be too gay. It's kind of funny that they don't know what to do, but... Yeah. It is so stupid. Like, I've hugged dudes, and, like, if you saved the world before, it's not crazy to hug another guy. Yeah. I don't know if it's homophobic. It's just they don't like each other either, really. That's true. That's, that is true. Buffy even hugs the doctor to remind us that she's very strong because it hurts him. He's like, ow, ow, his bones crack. Afterwards, Buffy abandons Dawn with Xander and Anya so she and Riley can have no more cancer celebration sex. You mean Bible study. Yeah. Dawn's at Xander's place. They're eating Chinese food. And Dawn is showing Xander and Anya how when she was a kid, she used to put chopsticks in her mouth like fangs. And Buffy would chase her around the house telling her she was going to slay her. But let's remember, Dawn's memories aren't real, which means a monk thought this up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, what if she remembers being a little vampire? Yeah, that's so funny. Like, we thought about this during the episode, that all of Dawn's memories are just some shit some monks spitballed. Very quickly, while the beast was knocking on the door. (laughs) Let's just say she watched a lot of movies. (laughs) Anya's like, well, that's disturbing. You're emotionally scarred and will end up badly. I don't know if that's foreshadowing or just an Anyaism, but it was funny. Yeah. They decide maybe they'll go see a movie, and they look in the paper to see what's playing. 
Remember that ancient activity? Or like calling? Yeah. Calling? You could call the movie phone and they would tell you the movie times. Oh, wow. You're that much older than me. And I feel like I'm aware of that, but I didn't do that. Anya really wants to see a movie about a chimp playing hockey. I watched this scene a few times. Dawn keeps saying she doesn't want to see a sad movie, and I think she means the chimp movie looks sad. It could maybe be interpreted either way, but Anya's like begging her to see the chimp one, and Xander's like, no, Dawn gets to pick. Like almost implying like, no, she doesn't want to see the chimp one. I don't know. It was weird. It's like, how does that sound sad to you, Dawn? The way I took it was that Dawn doesn't want to see the chimp movie because who the fuck wants to see Most Valuable Primate, but... Is that a real movie? Yep. MVP, baby. Is it a sad movie? It's so sad. Maybe the monks implanted her with sad chimp memories. You know, it'd be interesting if they went to see a horror movie like Night of the Lupus. That would probably like destroy Anya. Night of the Lupus? Yep. Is that a real movie? It is. Does Anya have lupus? No. Google it, guys. Is this a clue? No, it's not. Okay. It's a movie about giant bunnies. Oh. Like killer bunnies. No. It's Night of the Lepus. I was going to say, lupus is a disease. Is lepus better? I don't know. Lepus was a word. I guess it's probably like means bunny or some shit. Don's like, look, it's cool you guys are hanging out with me, but I know I'm here so that Buffy and Riley can have loud, obnoxious sex. Does she know it's loud? Are they loud when she is home? Also, Riley has his own place. Why don't they just do it there? That is, yeah, that, I don't know why they wouldn't just do it there. I guess maybe someone still needs to watch her because they insist she needs a babysitter. Well, I mean, Buffy would want someone to watch her now that she knows what she is, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, this makes sense. Meanwhile, Buffy and Riley are barely slow dancing in her living room. They're just kind of swaying in the darkness. Riley tells her how he plans on seducing her at a scheduled time later. He says he wants this night to be special for her, and she deserves this. But, like, I don't believe him. He seems kind of checked out. Maybe he's supposed to be because of where this is going. He's got plans later he wants to get to. He tells her how well she's been handling this cancer stuff. She was so strong that she didn't even cry. She's like, oh, I cried. I cried so hard. And you can just tell he's like, you cried without telling me? I wanted to watch you cry. <laughs> Why didn't you call me and let me watch you cry? Just start slapping her. You're going to cry without me? He's so offended that he didn't get to see her cry. This is ruining my seduction schedule. I mean, I get it. He wants her to be open with him and she insists she is, but she's not. Yeah. Then they make sweet, sweet love as Spike lurks outside. But when Buffy falls asleep, Riley sneaks out of the house. Spike's still lurking and follows Riley to some kind of back alley entrance. Riley, where you going? Where you going? Next day, Joyce is awake. Buffy's trying to convince her to wear a wig that looks exactly like Buffy's hair. <laughs> Buffy also points out that she's been missing a lot of school. I don't know if that's important, but it's true. I don't know that we've seen her do any school at all this season. Yeah. Her and Will like, talked about a class once. Joyce tells Buffy she doesn't have to stay with her all day. She should go have fun with Riley. Buffy's like, nah, it's cool. I can see him anytime. Besides, I'm sure he'll come over later looking for a little. And she tries to save the sentence that was clearly going to end with late night booty call by substituting Bible study. But how did she even let the first half of the sentence slip out of her mouth? <laughs> and Joyce totally knows what she means, though. She's all like, well, I'm glad you're fucking. And Buffy's like, thank you. Everything's great. To be fair, we know he goes to church, so maybe he does want some Bible study. Right. Meanwhile, at the hotel room the initiative is working out of now, yeah. the new leader is informing Graham that there's a breeding hotspot in Belize that they got to take care of. It sounded like it was a cool place to go for like a second. <laughs> Dude, we got to go to this breeding hotspot in Belize. You're going to love it, Graham. You're going to love it. Graham's like, breeding hotspot. Well, we're going to need Riley Finn for that. That guy can breed. 
The leader's like, sure, whatever. I don't know his backstory and I have no questions. Give him a call. Later, Buffy wakes up in the middle of the night to see that Riley's not there, but Spike is. I want to point out this is sort of like an interesting mirroring situation because in the first episode, Buffy, after having sex with Riley, sneaks out of bed to go fight vampires. Oh, you're right. Because she's like unsatisfied and Riley now is doing the opposite to get some sort of satisfaction from these vampires. He should have brought that up in their fight. Yep, yep. He probably didn't know about it. He brings up Dracula, but yeah, you're right. You're giving Riley pointers for his fights? (laughs) Yes. Well, he didn't win. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Spike's got something to show Buffy. He's like, we got to hurry if we want to get there in time. He's going to show her where Riley's been sneaking off to. But really, he probably could just tell her. I guess maybe she would believe him. But did they just walk all the way there silently with no tidbits of information as to where they were going? But also, why is she following him? Why does she trust Spike at all? Yeah, he could be following her to someplace where a big bad vampire is. He could literally be like, hey, um, I can't hurt you, but I paid all these other vampires to kill you. Or I just want to watch them kill you because I'm evil. Right. I don't know. He needs to tell her something. It's about Riley. I mean, that still could be a trick. Whatever. As a viewer, we're like, no, he loves her. He would never do that. But, like, Buffy does not know that. Yeah. So she should be on edge. Like, are you going to try to kill me in here? Anyway. So he takes her to the back alley entrance, and it's like a drug den vibe, but it's not for drugs. It's a place where humans go to get a little nibbled on by vampires. We saw Riley here in the last episode. We just didn't get quite as much context for the whole vibe of this place. This is supposed to be analogous to drugs, right? I mean, like heroin specifically, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. This feels like there's a scene in Breaking Bad where someone finds, like, Jesse in this place, basically. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah, and there's definitely more stuff, like, indicating we're mapping this onto a drug problem. So Buffy and Spike go upstairs into this gross-ass room where they see Riley sitting on a mattress in a corner with a vampire lady sucking blood from his arm. He's telling her to do it harder. I don't think I caught that the first time we watched it. It's kind of shocking neither he nor the vampire noticed Buffy and Spike because they're standing there for like quite a few seconds, but mm-hmm. eventually he does. I guess they have the same periphery problem in the last episode where nobody saw that slug crawling across the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, everybody in this show is like Metal Gear Solid guards. It's like a very small cone of vision that they have. <laughs> I, get very that. Esoteric. I get that. I played that level. <laughs> yeah. This is like another one of those things. Spike tells him almost like an intervention, like we came here because we care about you and you need help. Buffy's like, I gotta go. She runs downstairs. She throws a vampire across the room on her way out. Spike meets her in the alley, all like, see what a good boy I was? Love me now? Like, I get you're trying to be a hero, Spike, and it might work for you in the long run, but did you really think she was gonna fall into your arms immediately and not have to take time to process this? Right. Riley takes a while to come after them. He must have wanted to finish first. But... The vampires downstairs are all like, was that the Slayer? Why would you bring the Slayer here? He's like, I, I didn't know, man. I'm just back off. Is that Spike you're just doing an impression of? No, that was Riley. Okay. <laughs> They're all like, no one's going to come here now, man. Get out of here. Love, out of here. Yeah, we spent a lot of time making this place look like shit, and now <laughs> no one's going to come here, Gotta man. Gotta find a new shitty spot. Buffy goes home. She doesn't know what to think of this. Riley goes back to his place. He turns on the lights and just senses the military must be standing behind him because he says, get out. They're always just standing in the darkness like a surprise birthday party whenever they show up in the show. Yeah. How long were they in the dark? Two hours before he got there? (laughs) 
He's he's gonna come, guys. Just we just chill, just chill. <laughs> this is better than the hotel we're staying in. <laughs> yeah, because he says get out before they even make any kind of noise. Maybe he just always says that when he comes home, expecting they might be there. <laughs> yeah. This time they were. He knows the initiative is always doing this shit. Opens the door, sets down his keys and wallet, says get out. <laughs> if they're not there, he goes to bed. Wakes up, says get out. <laughs> <laughs> but he decides to hear them out. They tell him about the demon tribe and Belize who's taking out missionaries and that they want him to come help. Riley's like, no, I, I can't. I quit the government. And the dude's like, we're not government. We're army. What? What? Does this guy not know <laughs> <laughs> that the government army are one and the same? Yeah, I, he must not. I mean, maybe he's just like, we're our own thing. But you're, you're not. That's literally the president's your boss. Yeah. We're not government, we're the post office. You're still government, dude. We're not government, we're the FBI. <laughs> we're the Federal Bureau of Investigation for the United States government. <laughs> we're not government, we're the Senate. <laughs> he goes on to say that they're not the initiative, specifically. Yeah. They're not doing experiments on the monsters, they're just trying to stop them. And uh, it's going to be pretty wild in Belize. And we'd really like you to be there. We're leaving at midnight tomorrow. Be there or be a vampire snack. Riley's like, I got some stuff to think about because I do like vampire nibbles. To be clear, he doesn't say those lines. Stacy just improvised. No, but he does say, get out. (laughs) Yeah. There's no way Graham could deliver those lines convincingly. Giles and the gang are getting the magic shop set up for every December holiday known to man. It's got this big sign with like a bunch of different holidays on it. There's a really long scene that kind of doesn't matter about Anya suggesting they sell all the extra chicken feet as a holiday promotion and everybody makes fun of her for suggesting that and she gets very defensive and mean so Xander tells her to back off and she's like fine take her side even though I'm the one who sleeps with you and feeds you and bathes you and Willow's like she bathes you? (laughs) Yeah so funny. Just all leading up to that pretty funny joke. He tries to explain this but Giles is like enough. That's like a running bit. I like Giles is always like, I don't want to know about you guys having yeah. sex. Please stop. They're always very open about it. But so is he. He's like, you all need to leave. I'm fucking Olivia this weekend. No, to be fair, Anya said that <laughs> about Giles. Well, yeah, but I mean, it was pretty clear. He's like, yeah. take Spike because I want to be alone. I have an orgasm friend coming over. Right. I think this scene is just for some comic relief from Riley's problems because otherwise it's a pretty heavy episode. Yeah. Because then Buffy comes storming in, demanding they help her research this vampire den. She tells them what's happening in this place, but doesn't mention Riley specifically. Anya's like, oh yeah, humans wanting to be bit by vampires is totally a thing. Been happening for years. Giles is like, "Uh uh-huh, hazards of the underworld can be addictive to uh, Bible study. (laughs) (laughs) To some people, he said. I like that reference to, like, a sly reference to a previous episode. Yeah, where he did a bunch of demon shit. Mm-hmm. Childs also goes on to say that this can be bad because sometimes vampires will just kill someone accidentally or maybe just for the hell of it. Buffy's pissed at Giles for not even informing her of the concept of this. He's like, well, I didn't know it was happening here. Are you, like, okay? Maybe focus on glory instead of all these people who are intentionally putting themselves in danger. Xander's like, yeah, maybe chill a bit. Maybe don't go busting in there. Maybe wait for Riley. And that just sets her off. She's going to the den right now. Xander and Giles go with her. But when they get there, all the vampires are gone. Probably because they know Buffy knows where they are. Yeah. Buffy's like, we got to find them now. I'm not going to tell you why, though. And Xander's like, okay, chill. I'm sure you'll get them next time, champ. And Buffy's like, I don't like being called champ. And she throws a (laughs) space heater across the room. (laughs) 
starting the boys on fire. It really did seem like she reacted to being called champ. Yeah. Then Riley goes to Spike's house to kill him? We'll find out after the commercial break. Before the commercial break, he stakes him, but Spike doesn't die because it turns out the stake is just a very realistic plastic wood grain. Ha ha. Got you, Spike. And audience. Okay, let's talk about this. So did Riley get this steak, like, custom made for pranking vampires? Why else would this need to exist? Okay, maybe he was at that weird, like, vampire fetish place, right? Yes. Maybe, maybe there's, it's like a sex thing. It's like some vampires like the idea of being staked, so they get, like, a very realistic steak that you could stake them with. That's the only thing I can think of. Who, like the other vampires? Or they, like, pay Riley types to come in and do it? I think they pay Riley types or the vampires to, like, stake them, quote-unquote, but it's not real. That makes sense, but I don't know that that was their intention. <laughs> no, that's the... I'm gonna use that justification, though. It's a sex <laughs> stake. But otherwise, we're to believe Riley went through the trouble of making a fake stake to scare Spike. In his fury. <laughs> Spike ratted me out. Where's my 3D printer? <laughs> I know, where did you get this? He's like, Graham, I need one thing from you. Can the government do it? I'm not the government. We're the army, man. <laughs> but I'll check with the government. We do check in with them. They are our boss. <laughs> they do sign my paycheck, so... Spike, once he realizes he's not about to die, kind of laughs. He's like, you're just afraid that I like Buffy. And Riley's like, well, don't you? Spike's like, well, yeah. But even if I weren't around, you're not the guy for her. And you know it. It's so bright in Spike's place, by the way. Like, there's sun coming in the windows. I love this place. We have no light in our apartment. His place is gorgeous. Yeah. Tons of natural light. Riley's like, well, do you actually think you have a shot with her? And Spike's like, no, but I gotta try. That's interesting that he, like, admits he doesn't think she has a shot with her. Yeah. Because one time she mentioned that he was just a good pal. And oh. he could tell it wasn't gonna happen then. Spike is Marty? Yeah. <laughs> In this scene, yeah. And then they both agreed they would love to kill each other, but have a drink and a chat instead. <laughs> I just don't buy that Riley would stay and hang out with him. Well, he's into hanging with vampires now. Spike goes on to say sometimes he envies Riley, but sometimes he thinks it would probably suck to be that close to Buffy, but not to really have her. Meanwhile, Buffy's taking out her anger on a punching bag in the back of the magic shop. You pointed out this bag would be moving a lot more, considering she almost broke that doctor at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Xander is up front with Anya, and he seems pretty concerned about Buffy. Riley shows up and asks Xander and Anya to leave so that they can be alone. What's he going to do to her that they can't even stay in the front room? Anya's like, cool, we'll just go home and have sex. And Xander's like, actually, I have some stuff I need to take care of. Interesting. I'm sure we'll see that later. So Riley goes back to talk to Buffy. He explains that he got into this vampire biting stuff initially to try to even the score after Dracula bit her. He wanted to know what Buffy felt to get why vampires like Dracula and Angel have so much power over her. He admits that it's his fault. He feels bad, but these vampires have made him feel needed, which is not something he's been getting a lot from old Buff Buff. Riley reminds her that he's passionately in love with her, but she's been keeping him at a distance. She didn't even let him in when her mom went to the hospital. She's like, you just can't handle that I'm stronger than you. He's like, well, that is difficult for me, yes, but that's not what this is. She's like, well, I'm giving you everything. And he's like, well, I don't really see it that way. She's like, well, this is all I've got. So if that's not enough, if you need to find that passion in vampires, then I don't know. And then he tells her that the military wants him back. 
She's like, when are you going to tell me about this? You're going to go back to your old girl, the military? <laughs> he just found out, though. Like, he's telling you pretty much as soon as he could have. Yeah. But he says he's going to leave tonight to go with them unless she gives him a reason to stay. And she doesn't say anything. She leaves. She walks through an alley where all the vampires from the den are waiting for her. I don't know. Seems like a lot of vampires. We'll find out what happens after the commercial break. We come back. <laughs> Buffy's dead. <laughs> <laughs> she warns them not to do it. She's in a testy mood, but they do it. And she easily kills like six vampires because she's mad. Yeah. Well, first off, I want to say this, vampires. If you're going to attack somebody, specifically like a slayer type, Maybe don't attack with a wooden weapon. I feel like that's a big no-no. Yeah, just giving her the keys to your apartment. Yeah. That's not a good analogy, but I think it No, makes it sense. wasn't. I was trying to figure out how that would make sense, but... She can go in and kill them. <laughs> yeah. They're going to go home and sleep. She's going to... I stand by it. You stand by it? Okay. Mm -hmm. it's, it's good, babe. Good job. But the lady vampire that she saw sucking on Riley is also there. She lets her go. Just kidding. She lets her run a little bit and then throws the stick through her like a spear. Can we talk about her for a second? Okay. So I think we get to see her face for a second. And she's like beat up and bruised. And I think this is supposed to be like she's a junkie slash she's a prostitute. Not like an actual prostitute, but like it's sort of like an amalgamation of those two things. Like a junkie slash prostitute. She's like beaten by her pimp, that kind of thing. Sure. Because she's got bruises all over her face. And like that's weird for a vampire. And she's also like emaciated looking. I feel like it's clear she's supposed to be some sort of like tragic figure obviously she's a vampire so she's evil but like she's like a bit of a victim i feel like she's not just this like predatory animal that took advantage of riley yeah is that why buffy seems to feel bad briefly? and i think i think that's why buffy doesn't kill her immediately but she changes her mind or was her intention to fake her out i think she is a little surprised because she's imagining in her head this vampire that's like you know the other woman, if anything, sort of. But she also knew what she looked like because she recognized her because she's seen her before. So I don't know why she'd be surprised. Well, I don't know how detailed she... I don't remember. I don't know if she knows all the details. Like, she didn't notice all the bruises and stuff before. Maybe she did. That's what I got from this scene. Yeah, that's interesting. And then Buffy, like, changes her mind because she's angry, but also because vampires are evil. So. But then, out of the shadows comes Xander because he thought Buffy might need to talk. So let's get this straight. He knew Buffy might want to talk after her fight with Riley, which he assumed would be a fight with Riley. This yeah. kind of checks out because he's secretly known some of Riley's deal all season. Like Riley has yeah. confided in him. They've set that up. Riley's been talking to him constantly. Yeah. So I don't necessarily mind that Xander's like Riley's champion. Yeah. But then he just like waited around hiding in an alley until Buffy came out and he just let her fight a million vampires by herself. He said he could tell that she didn't need a hand because she was, like, rage fighting. But, like, he wouldn't have known that when the vampires came out and did their little preamble first. Yeah. So he just stayed hidden the whole time? Yeah, I guess. It's also weird that he's like, I gotta go somewhere and wait for this fight to happen and be over. Yeah, did he know she would exit through the back alley? He didn't. They could have made up and had sex for, like, six hours. He was just gonna yeah. wait? Doesn't make any sense. I guess Xander does have military training, so he he is used to just, like, waiting around in the darkness until someone <laughs> comes back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was his military training. That's funny. We wait in the darkness until our target arrives. Okay, got it. We'll do. Buffy tells Xander to go home. He's like, no, you're being crazy. She actually kind of is. 
Yeah. She was acting really weird at the vampire den and not telling them why. But he's like, by the way, I know you and Riley aren't good. I kind of saw it coming forever ago, and I'm pretty much on Riley's side, so this is going to be an aggressive conversation. Yeah. She tells him about the vampire den and how Riley's leaving, and he's like, so you're just going to let him go? He's a good guy, and you're going to lose him unless you stop him, and you're not being fair to him, just showing him affection when it's convenient for you. And Bobby's like, oh, well, what's the deal with you and Anya? Do you, like, actually love her? He's like, this isn't about me. We're going to do that at the end of the episode. (laughs) Xander goes on to say that guys like Riley only come around once in a lifetime and that Riley's risked everything for her and that if Riley's really not the guy for her, sure, let him go. But if you are ready for, like, a meaningful relationship with a good guy, you're about to make a stupid mistake if you don't go stop him from leaving. And then Buffy has this look on her face like, what a fool I've been. Xander tells her to run. She runs through the town, trying to catch up with Riley, who's waiting like a puppy for her outside the helicopter. What was the conversation with the helicopter guy? I know. She's coming, guys. I know it. I mean, I bet they did leave exactly on time. But this helicopter guy's like, what are you standing over there for? My girlfriend might decide she loves me. And then I'm I'm not going to come. But if she doesn't love me, then then I'm going to (laughs) come. All right, man, sure, we're leaving at midnight, whatever. We'd really like you to come. Belize is going to be crazy. Dude, the breeding, you don't even know. So Riley's standing there, he's waiting, he's waiting. Then he looks up. Maybe? No, she's not there. So he gets on the helicopter, it takes off, just as Buffy arrives. She shouts his name, but helicopters are notoriously loud. And he's dramatically turned away from the door of the helicopter, so he couldn't see her if he tried. Xander goes to Anya's place to tell her that he's very much in love with her, that she makes him feel like a man. He's like, I was kind of just a big asshole to Buffy, so the writers want me to be very nice to you to balance out my character a bit. (laughs) How do you feel about me now, audience? Complicated? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Buffy sadly walks home, and the show ends on a poignant split screen of Buffy sadly sitting on her stairs and Riley sadly flying off to free the demon-plagued missionaries of Belize. End of episode. Thank you. Was that for the episode or my dramatic retelling of the final moment? <laughs> dramatic retelling. We got to talk about that speech though, right? With Xander? Yeah, I mean, I mean do you want to tell me if this is a good episode and then get into the speech? Do you want to talk about the speech and then your thoughts? I on the don't episode? think this is a good episode, no. Okay. So first off, it's very difficult to really know who's right, who's wrong here. For some things, for some things it's obvious. But, like, this is mapping on to both, like, cheating, like, infidelity, but also, like, drug use. hmm And since it's neither one, really, it's sort of fucked up. It's sort of hard to be like, well, which one do I map my emotions onto? Yeah. Because drug use, it's, the person who's addicted can do bad things, but, like, also their addiction sort of has a control over them. So they're a victim, too. Whereas someone who's cheating, they're not a victim. I mean, you could argue that there was they weren't getting the love in their relationship they needed or whatever, but that's that's different, you know? It's kind of him being like, you didn't love me, so I cheated on you with drugs. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Because, like, this vampire that's biting him, like, it is an emotional thing, but, like, he also, like, does not care or love this vampire in any way. Yeah, I feel like he justified himself pretty well, whether it's right or wrong. Rewatching it, I do think Riley is more right in the fight. Yeah. Because Buffy is taking advantage of him. Or, like, relying on him when she wants to and doing her own thing when she doesn't. Oh, totally. She uses him like a total doormat. But to be fair to her, a lot of times when Riley gets upset about something, he literally just leaves. He'll just be like, you're not telling me about the thing. And then he'll walk away. 
Like there was the time where she was going to do the spell without him and he just left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was the time she found out about Dawn and he just left. And it was like, why don't you stop and tell him about Dawn? I mean, but it, it's pretty fucked up to like go have vampires sucking on you. So it's hard to justify that. And if you map it onto cheating, then cheating is bad all around. Like you're betraying. You, I mean, it's still a betrayal, right? He's also cheating on her with her sworn enemy. Absolutely. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I also just hate Riley, so I want to be like, yeah, he's wrong. Do you want to talk about Xander? I feel like I have thoughts about Xander. Yeah, so Xander, like, I think the show did a good job this season of being like, this. Xander's been watching all this, so he has something to say about it. Okay. And I feel like they've had a precedent of Xander just, like, speaks his mind and sometimes is very callous about it, and that's his character, right? Specifically to Buffy about her love life in the past. Yeah. Like, Angel and, and I, stuff. I feel like he's been right several times, but, like, he's not very good about how he approaches subjects. And I feel like this was, like, too much. Like, she kills that vampire. It's like, did that make you feel better? It's like, well, they were just trying to kill her. So what, are you pissed at her for doing that? They've definitely seeped a bit of fancy Xander into him from the twin episode. Yeah. The good half of him, I think, that I referred to as fancy Xander. He's more, like, calm. And I'm making good points when I'm speaking to you right now. Like, that's how But I, I feel like he wasn't episode. being a good friend to her here. I feel like he was No, just he's being totally like, on Riley's side. And... Like I said, I think maybe Riley is right about a lot of stuff. Like, break up with him, Buffy, if you're not into him. Exactly. If you don't want him, that's fine. Just break up with him. Which is Xander's point. But Xander just says it in such, like, a cruel, like, Mm -hmm. I'm your enemy, not your friend. But it's also really weird because then Xander convinces Buffy that she does love Riley. But I'm like, does she? Or is she just in this moment, like, no, I maybe should hang on to him longer till I do decide. I think that's what it is. I don't think she loves him. I think she's just... Like, oh, he's right. He is a really good guy. Am I throwing it all away and letting him go to die by the demons in Belize? I can't. (laughs) I'd faint, but I'm too strong. (laughs) I would break the ground. No, I just don't... Her running towards him was like, but are you going to be together forever? I didn't think she'd catch him. I really would have hated it if she caught him. Yeah. Not because I don't want them to be together, but just because it doesn't seem like she does love him. So I think delaying this actual yeah. end of their relationship makes more sense than having her like hold him and they make out people argue about whether or not she actually loved him or not i feel like she didn't love him she never said i love you to him she said that to fucking angel like constantly i, I feel weird because i do feel like i agree with a lot of stuff xander said but it was like there's a better way to say this man yeah this is like your friend in crisis right now it was nice what he said to anya yeah and I kind of buy that he loves her. Like, he specifically yeah. said he gets excited every time he sees her. And we see that. Like, anytime he comes into the magic shop, he, like, leans over the counter to kiss her. And they seem genuinely happy to see each other. I think he's, like, really good with her as far as explaining the world. Yeah. Like, pretty patient. And pointing out when she's being weird in a nice way. I mean, she's, like, accused him of it just being about sex. But I do see it being more than that. I mean, I think that's how it started. Yeah. But I think that, like, it evolved from there. And that's nice. But I also just hated this, like, running to the hell. I thought that just, it did not work for me. None of this worked. All right, Stacey, so which one do you think was better? I was leaning Buffy, but now I think I'm going to go Gilmore. Oh, girl, come on now. I didn't think Gilmore was that good, but it wasn't really bad. And now that we've kind of broken down how Buffy and Riley's relationship is kind of dumb, I don't know. Yeah, this episode... It's like trying to be important and telling us it's an emotional one. But if you don't really care, it's not. Right? Yeah. It's just Gilmore was like not a great one to me. So it didn't stand out to me as like, this is a good one. But I think it was less bad. 
Well, I was leaning towards Gilmore, and I am still. I'm going to say Gilmore is better. Okay. I got that from you. It's, it seemed... I When we, at the top, when I asked, I was like, oh, he loves Buffy. Okay. Because I didn't think Gilmore was that good. I did like that Riley fucking left the show. Is he gone? I feel like it seems like he's not gone forever. I cannot answer that. It feels unresolved. It's, it's similar to how Dean feels unresolved. But this was... I don't, I don't know. We'll see. I think he's going to come back at least one time. Well, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 5, Episode 11, Triangle. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 5, Episode 11, Women of Questionable Morals. Okay, so that title makes me feel like it's going to go one way, but it's I, 100% it's not. It's going to go a different way. That that title is just trolling us. Which way is it going? It's, it's, that's going to be a mystery. It's going to be like a title of a book or something they come across. That episode, it's a trolling us title. Who do you think's got questionable morals? That's the whole thing. Is I, I would imagine it's going to suggest that it's the Gilmore Girls, but it's not. It's going to be something else. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a troll of a title. You're a troll of a title. That's painful. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, who do you think was right, Buffy or Riley or both? Or Xander. Do you think that Rory will ever be able to make it up to Headmaster Charles? Char- Char- to- What's the headmaster's name? What did you think about the way that Rory acted towards Marty and Marty acted towards Rory? Do you think that Logan's a butt face? Miscreant? Do you like the smell of books? I do. I do too. Do you think Buffy loves Riley? That's the big question. Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or you can email us at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacey with an EY. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash brianandstacey, where we also post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, post monthly live stream watch parties of Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to our new Patreon subscriber, Ebony Collins. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the very bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out in an upcoming podcast. This really helps us out. Yeah. All right. Get out. <laughs> Just in case. I don't know. You never know. Get out. <laughs> Bye. Slay.